0: Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, I want to invite you to take your Bible and go with me to John chapter 14. The Gospel of John chapter 14. And as uh, Greg and the Praise team, the choir just led us in the song "Waymaker." That is our theme through Easter this year, and I want to challenge you as you think about who is God. When we think about Him, we need to come to the conclusion that He's our waymaker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Those things all describe who God is, and so we want to to make that known this Easter season. So. Um, and I don't know, I think, if I think about it, I think about Waymaker. Uh, several thoughts crossed my mind this week. And one of those thoughts is, men, we don't like to ask for directions. Amen? Yeah, you don't want to say amen because your wife is sitting next to you. But the truth of the matter is, for whatever reason, we have this uh, this, this God-given talent that we're never lost. We're just looking at new territory. Uh, and so we we, we are... Are people who and maybe it's not you but it is me for sure i'm i'm never lost and i hate to ask for directions unless i just in a hurry several years ago when drew was in uh just out of preschool he was playing a uh upward soccer and you know when you do that parents have responsibilities you're to bring the snacks this week well it was our turn to bring the snacks we'd gone to kroger the night before run in to get the snacks and a couple other things, and got to the car and realized she, Pam forgot the, uh, the caprisons. Well, we'd met somebody in the parking lot, and Pam was talking to him. I said, honey, I'll go in and get the caprisons. I go into Kroger. Now, listen, I'm just going to confess this up front. Grocery stores and I don't see each other very often, okay? I'm blessed that my wife just does that. So I walk into Kroger's to get the caprisons. 35 minutes later, I walk out with Capri Suns to my wife laughing in the car going, how long did it take before you asked directions? And I went 25 minutes, and why don't they put the Suns with everything else? Why do they have to? And I just went on this tirade. And she just laughed because when she knew it was taking way longer than it should have because it wasn't crowded, she knew I was lost and she knew I wasn't going to ask for directions. I bet I walked every aisle in that Kroger twice before I finally said, Can you tell me where the Suns are? And the lady goes, Yes, they're right over here. And they have, and just so you guys know, they're not in any of the aisles with, with drinks. Why? It certainly wasn't a man who came up with the grocery store. aisles because I had to put all the drinks in one aisle. But we we do that. So this week, as I was thinking about why is it that men don't ask directions, I came across this article from Psychology Today. And they give us three reasons why men don't want to ask for directions. First one is simply this. Men prefer to learn by doing, not by being told what to do. Guys, I'm going to tell you, don't amen during these three things, okay? It's just not a good time. Uh, but here's the thing. Men prefer to learn by doing. That's why in some cases, uh, boys don't do so well in school as girls do. Because guys are always sitting there wanting to get up and do something and go. We, we don't like to be told. Um, We'd like to try it on our own. We want to be hands-on. If we have to ask for directions, it's like admitting defeat. And we don't want to do that. So we prefer to do it ourselves. The second Second reason they give is men want to win. You know, there's this thing inside us that we just want to win. If it's a problem, we'll be victorious. We'll find the solution. We'll work so hard. Even if everybody else says give up, we're going to continue to work and find a solution because we're men and we're going to be victorious. And ladies, my wife's not here today, and so I can talk about this and she can't rebuttal it, but The thing is, she knows that if I get my mind fixed on trying to fix something, it doesn't do her any good to say, to give me logic why it won't work. Because logic's out of the equation. We're going to fix this regardless of what the logic says. And if she keeps pressuring, at some point she knows I'm going to say, would you just back up and give me a few minutes? I'm going to figure this out. Why? Because we have this innate thing that we just want to win. And we want to be victorious in fixing the problem. The third thing uh, the article said was men want to be strong. Men want to be strong. We want to, we want to, we want to be seen as victorious, strong, able to do something. We don't need self-help books because we already have the, the answer. Uh, we, we like... Uh, being seen as people who can fix solutions. Our wife comes home and says, I've broken this, oh, give it to me, I'll fix it. You know, and sometimes in in our, my wife will tell you, in our marriage, I have fixed things, but it's taken me three years to get that fixed when it should have gone out to the store and bought a new one. But I fixed it. I love what the article said at the end. The article said that... um, Men are a strange phenomenal phenomenon for women. In other words, they can't figure us out. And men, we kind of like that, right? Because uh, we can't figure them out either. But I mean, there's this thing about us that just drives us. That says, I don't want to ask for directions. I know what I need to do. Well, here's the thing. Spiritually speaking, we can do all the things we want to do. But if we don't stop and recognize who our way maker is and acknowledge the direction he's given us, we'll spend eternity separated from God. We have to come in a place to pause and recognize we can't get to heaven on our own. No matter how much we try, no matter how hard we work, no matter what we do, we'll never be able to secure our eternal salvation on our own. We've got to stop. We've got to acknowledge who Christ is. We have to acknowledge that he's the way maker, that that it's not on us. So this morning, as we look at our text, I want us to look at John chapter 14. And in these first six verses, we're really going to look at one verse, but we'll read all six today. We find our problems and our solutions. So if you have your Bibles and you're at John chapter 14, would you stand as we read God's holy word? Verse 1, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way where I am going. Now catch this. Jesus, who spent all this time with his disciples, three years ministering to them, you know the where I'm going. Thomas is honest when he speaks up in verse 5. He says, Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going and how, how can we know the way? And the answer is in verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through me. You may be seated. Here's our big idea I want you to catch today. Our human condition causes us to be alienated from God. Ignorant of the truth and condemned to spiritual death. Now that's not a big idea that I think you get excited when you read that. But it's the truth. We have to understand that because Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, because we are sinners, our human condition causes us to be alienated from God, ignorant of the truth, and condemned to spiritual death. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about each one of those problems and I want to give you the solution to them. Not a solution that Ernie Carter's come up with, but a solution that Jesus Christ himself told us about in verse 6. So let's talk about the first problem. First problem is our alienation, that that moment when we are separated from God, that moment in which because of sin, we are separated from God Almighty. We do not have the ability to to earn our way into heaven. We do not have the ability to, to earn God's respect. We are separated, and we know that from the scripture. Romans tells us this. Uh, Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. No one is righteous. So here's the thing. As much as we love that precious baby boy, as much as we love our children, there are no one righteous. We're all in need of saving. We're all alienated from Christ. Paul goes on in Romans 3.23, he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you know what in the Greek the word all means? All. That's what it means. Everyone. All. means you, your wife, your your mother-in-law, your mother, your kids. All. Everyone. We've all come there. And the thing is, When we come to places in our life, we try to to justify those things. We can't justify being alienated from Christ. Paul says it this way in Galatians 5:4. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Listen, you're trying to justify by the law. Sometimes we try to justify that we'll get to heaven because we're good. Because we, listen, you can't get to heaven by coming to church. You can't get to heaven for for singing in the choir. You, You can't get to heaven for being a Sunday school teacher. Now listen, if you're in Christ, you can get to heaven. But without Christ, no matter what you do... You're alienated from God. So what's the solution? Here's the solution that he tells us in John 14:6. So the solution is the way, the way. We're talking about waymaker today. Jesus is the waymaker. Look at uh, the verse again, and uh, Jesus told him, "I am the what, church? Way. I'm the way. I am the way. He, he knew what the direction is. I am the way. We don't come, we don't find salvation any place but through Christ. Several years ago, I was um, in another church on a deacon ordination service. And we were having the deacon ordination council. And in that council meeting, young man shared their testimony and he, as he shared his testimony, he never shared that he came to faith and knowledge in Jesus Christ. He said, I grew up in church. My mom and dad have always been in church. I've always been in church. When we got married, we've been in church. As a Q&A, so what, you, what happens in a deacon ordination service or any ordination service is there's a QA. and a Several people started asking questions. I posed the question, so, so tell me how you come to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I just came down the aisle. Talked, talked to the preacher, and we decided when I'd be baptized. More questions came around. So, if you were, my next question was, so if you were to lead somebody to Christ, how would you do it? Now, now you don't have to quote me all the Bible verses, but well, how would you go about it? i just introduce them to the preacher. Third question, I came around. I continued to try to find that he had faith in Christ. He never gave us A testimony that he'd ever acknowledged he was a sinner and believed that Christ was his Savior. He leaves the room and that's what happens. They leave the room and then then those left in the room are going to talk. He leaves the room and and a couple of people sitting around go, he'll make a great deacon. Oh, he's a great young man. I finally spoke up and said, "Did, did you all ever hear him tell us he came to faith in Jesus Christ? All of a sudden, a couple of them went, he never did. And you asked him three questions to get to that. Finally, somebody spoke up and said, well, I really believe you get to heaven in your own little way. Well, now here's the problem. (laughs) John 14, 6 tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. I said, so you can have that view and spend eternity in hell. But that's not how you get to heaven. See, there are moments when we think we can do it. Our problem is we're alienated from Christ, and and the only way we're going to find salvation is through Christ alone. No other way. The second thing we find in in our big idea was the problem of our ignorance. The problem of our ignorance. There's this moment in which... we've all been ignorant of something. Don't raise your hand, but you know you have messed up because you didn't know any better. And it's okay at first. I mean, Paul says it this way in First Timothy. He says, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in what church? Ignorance and unbelief. It's okay for ignorance, to a point. I mean, we all make mistakes. Growing up, my dad had a 1984 Ford F-150, the four-speed. And one of my first jobs when I was, was still in high school was I worked at a, one of these quick lube oil change places. One Saturday, he said, hey, why don't you take my truck and service it while you're there? Sure, Dad, I'll be glad to. I always loved driving his truck, so I, I took it. It was slow, so slow Saturday. So I'm under the truck, and the, you know, if you've ever been to one of those, it's a pit. You drive over the pit. And, uh, and so I was down there changing the oil, greasing it, the whole nine yards. I decide I'm going to check the transmission fluid on a standard truck. No big deal. It's just a, it's just a, a bolt you pull out, you put your finger, make sure there's fluid there. In my ignorance on a 1984 F-150, my Hodge here in the room, he knows this, um, I pull the wrong boat. And the moment I pull it, I hear a click, to which I went, uh-oh. I quickly put that boat back, and you know, I'm feeling around, see if I can feel anything. I couldn't, I put the boat back in, finished up what I was doing downstairs, got in the truck and took off down the road, shifting all four gears, thought, oh, hallelujah, it's in good shape. Got back, put it in reverse, and wouldn't move. On a 1984, just in case you have one, 1984 F-150 four-speed, there is a boat on the transmission that if you're in a hurry and don't pay attention, it's the reverse boat that holds the pin. And if you pull the pin, guess what? Reverse don't work. So I took the truck home. I uh, pulled in the driveway and parked it. Now, how many of you want to bet I walked in, said, your truck's done, and never said a word and let Dad get out there And find out for his own. And I'd say, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Dad. It worked fine for me. (laughs) It's what I wanted to do. But I had to go into my dad and go, yeah, your son made a mistake. I said, I pulled the wrong, I was in a hurry, pulled the wrong plug, not thinking, not paying attention. In my ignorance, I dropped the reverse out of your truck. Now, here's the thing. My father showed a lot of grace to me that day. Uh, If memory serves me correctly, uh, he served me grace, but I was still under that truck taking that transmission out later that day. Um, But it was in ignorance, and he showed me grace. But here's the thing: you're not ignorant to the to the gospel. If you've been coming to this church long enough, you know the gospel because we've preached the gospel. You've heard the gospel. So being ignorant on the day you stand before Christ will not work. Because he will say, depart from me, I know you not. So the solution here is simply the truth. The truth. Remember what Jesus says in 14.6? Jesus told him, I am the way and the what? Truth. Jesus is the truth. Truth. And here's the truth. Romans tells us this says, but God proves his own love for us that it, while, we are, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the truth. That, that's the truth that you have to understand and I have to understand. That as sinners, Christ died for our sins. And once you know the truth, there's no escaping the truth. Listen, my dad would have really pitched a fit if I took his truck the second time and pulled that same boat out of that thing. Why? Because I know better now. In your ignorance, you can find grace, but you know better now. And we live in a world that it is finding harder and harder to find truth. Our culture wants to tell us that truth looks different than what it really is. But we must hold to the truth of the gospel that it is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And while people may say, oh, you can do it other ways, or or here's the thing, we may try to, to come up with new definitions of what truth is. But the reality is there is one truth. No matter how much I claim I'm a dump truck, no matter how much I sound like a dump truck at night to my wife, the truth of the matter is I'm not a dump truck. I'm I'm a person. And No matter how much I say I'm a dump truck, I can't get, I'm not. And while the world is having a hard time defining what a woman is, the truth of the matter is it's real simple. It's chromosomes, folks. For a male, it's an XY chromosome. For a female, it's an XX chromosome. And regardless of what people want to say, it comes back to the truth of what the chromosome says. You can say, I am this. And the world may agree, hey, we can't, you know, your passport now can't say male or female. It's got to say whatever you want it to say. The truth of the matter is, we still have a chromosome that speaks the truth. Just like we have a God who speaks the truth. And the truth of the matter is, apart from Christ, you will spend eternity separated from God. Because the reality is, we're all going to live forever someplace. The only question is, where? Where will you spend eternity? Don't think you're going to come back as a cat. You'll either spend eternity in heaven, in in God's presence, or in hell. You're not going to come back reincarnated as a cat, although that for some people may be hell itself. But you're not going to do that for the dog lovers or, you know. You're not coming back as somebody else. You're going to spend eternity either with Christ or apart from him. That's the truth. That's the solution is to know what the truth is. So it gives us one more problem we have. Third problem we have is our condemnation. Listen, we're we're condemned. When sin entered the world, we were condemned. There came a place where we needed Christ. Romans 6 tells us this. For the wages of sin is what church? Church death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord the reality is there is a condemnation there is a penalty that must be paid there's a penalty that we face listen we face penalties all all through our life right we learn penalties when we start grade school you don't get all 10 answers right. You get eight answers right. That means you missed two. And you go, well, that's not a penalty. You didn't get 10. Teacher didn't say, oh, I like them, so I can give them 10. You get a penalty for sports. If you do something wrong, there's a foul called or a flag on the play. There's a, there's a penalty. Listen, it's April. There's a penalty if you don't pay your taxes on time. There's a penalty if you're driving too fast and the police department pulls you over. There's a penalty in life that must be paid. So there's a penalty for our salvation because we are condemned. We are condemned people. But here's the solution. The solution is the life. It is the life. John 3.16 tells us this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Who pays the penalty for your sins and for my sins? Christ did. Christ paid the penalty. And it is only through Christ and Christ alone that we find that. Romans 10.9 And 10 says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved one who believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and the one who confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation it's real simple there must be there is a penalty on our life there must be a payment and the payment has been paid in full by Christ alone Jesus is the, this text that we're using today is the most exclusive text. People don't like it because it just simply says that there is only one way and it's through Jesus Christ. But here's the good news. Jesus is also inclusive in that anyone who confesses with their mouth can be saved. There's only one way but anyone can come through that one way. So Maybe you're like me and you dislike directions. You struggle with directions, you struggle with that. This morning, I want to give you some directions. Not that you've asked, but I'm, since I have a captive audience, I'm going to share them with you. The directions are simply this. How, how do you know that you're saved and how you can lead someone to, to Christ? Uh, through salvation now what i'm going to do is is i'm going to share quickly the bridge to life this is a gospel tract that we have it's right out here in the hallway we'd encourage you if you're wanting to speak with somebody about salvation pick this up this is real simple you don't even have to pick this up when i'm done today you can do this on a napkin at a restaurant you can do it on a piece of paper at your work it's real simple but let me let me quickly walk through you just how it is you come to know christ the bridge illustration is really simple It has this conversation of of a person on one side and God's on the other. And there's this great ravine between us and and we can't get to God. Romans 6 tells us this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life uh, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we understand because of this that the wages of sin is death. So over here we find that our wages, now you understand what wages is. You get paid. It's something you do, and it's a result of what you get because you got paid. But our sin causes us to be in debt. Our sin is in, causes us uh, simply to be in debt. And as we think about sin and death, we realize ultimately what's going to happen is because of our sin, we're going to find ourselves dead in Christ, before Christ. But, as the Romans 6.23 tells us, God on this side is a gift of God, is eternal life. Gifts. You understand gifts, right? How many like to get a gift? Everybody like to get a gift? We all like gifts, right? We all like, hey, listen, we like gifts whether it's a bag of Cheetos or a, or a, a gift card to go out to eat. You know, we like things that we eat, I guess. But it's a gift. Free gift. When it's a gift, it's, it's something you get, and it's free, not that you've paid for it. The gift that God has is eternal life. God wants to give you eternal life. But here's the thing. Because we're here, we're separated from God, because the wages of sin is death, we're unable to get to God. We're unable. You can't do it. You can't earn it. You can't get there. There's no way to get From here to here on your own. But here's what God does He sent Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Christ came and lived a perfect life, A, a life so that we could know what it looks like to live by faith, but also a life that would pay for our sins. To pay for our sins. He is the the way. He is the only way for us to get from point A to point B. It's through Christ. And it's not that you have to pay money. It's not that you have to do anything. It's really simple. All you have to do is believe. You have to believe that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ for your sons. And, And if you believe... And you confess that, Christ makes the way for you to be with God forever. Real simple. It's at that moment, if you're having a conversation with somebody, you would say, so let me ask you, do you understand that your wages of sin is death? Yes. Do you understand that God gives a gift of eternal life? Yes. Do you know that it's through Jesus Christ? Yes. So today I'm going to ask you, do you believe? Do you believe? Now here's the thing. People will get to this point and they'll go, but I'm not a good person. Doesn't ask you if it's a good person. But I've done some bad things. Doesn't ask you what you've done in your past. But the people at church don't like me. Doesn't ask if they like you. Salvation is based on, do you believe that God loved you so much that he sent his son? That's that's what it is. Jesus is the Waymaker. Our responsibility is to help point people to the Waymaker. Our goal for twenty twenty two is to see twenty two people baptized. Twenty two. Now that's never gonna happen if it's just laid on the shoulders of the staff and a couple other people. You have to take responsibility for that. Me, yes. Because you have a testimony. You have a testimony that is so different from my testimony. Some of you never grew up in a church. You came to faith late in life. I grew up in church. I was there nine months before I came came into this world. Some of you have a testimony that you've you've been in church and you've dealt with the pressures of this world and you have recognized that God is greater than the pressures of this world. Some of you go, I grew up in church, but I fell into the pressures of this world. You each one have a testimony of your wages of sin and recognizing the gift of God in eternal life and then believing. And what you have to do is go tell. So I want to challenge you. Who are you telling? We announce to the world our new jobs, a new baby, our marriage. But do we announce to the world that Jesus is the way maker? This morning, if you're here and you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, before you can go tell, you have to receive. You have to come to the place in your life to recognize that Jesus is the answer this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do this. Listen, there's no magic handshake. There's no magic words. It's by believing in your heart that Christ came to die for your sins, that you are a sinner. Christ came and died for your sins. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you believe in your heart that Christ loves you, then, friend, today you can come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning and that's the case, I invite you to come. I'll be here. Maybe you're here this morning and somebody's on your heart that you need to go share the bridge to. Maybe you need to have a conversation. Listen, we celebrated, Lord, uh, we celebrated Lord's Supper and baptism last week. But the baptism uh, when we, with Bernice Oliver, let me tell you, his wife prayed for him for years, reminding us that it's never too late. But the other thing is, I shared the gospel and others had shared the gospel a number of times with Bernice Oliver. But just recently, he came to faith in Christ. He did it. He heard the gospel, preached every week. He responded in his own way. And then when two of our deacons, Bobby Duvall and Mitchell Nance, went by, he told them, I believe in God. And they were able to confirm that and talk to him. And, and I remember getting that phone call that afternoon to tell me. And I went by and they would already asked him about baptism, and he was smiling and saying yes, and he couldn't wait to get in the waters. Listen, there are people in your life that God's put there for a reason, and it's to share the gospel. So please, let's be people who go proclaiming the greatest news ever, that Jesus is the waymaker. Would you stand with me this morning?